For most of the year, it's just a vacant lot, a former car park down by the park. But for a few weeks, it becomes the centre of the musical universe. So just what prompted Peter Aiken to decide to pitch a big tent near the marina and to invite, well, 4,000 of his closest friends to visit? Let's talk about festivals. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Teams work better when you simplify the game. Search Vodafone One Net Business today. And I think it's gonna be a long, long time. Touchdown brings me round and get to find. I'm not the man they think I am at home. Oh, no, no, no. Elton John, they're the biggest of the names at this year's marquee. Now, there was a time when people in Cork used to have to rely on radio stations to hold big outdoor gigs in places like the Lee Fields. There was the time when Parky Cueve would host festivals and concerts, but then it all stopped. And for a few grim years, Cork didn't have any big gigs. The arrival of the marquee changed that, because not only did live music return, but the business that accompanies those gigs also came back benefiting pubs and restaurants and hotels and even humble chip vans. The marquee was the brainchild of promoter Peter Aiken. I caught up with him recently, hands-on, at a gig in the marquee. Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Never miss an opportunity when you simplify the game. Search Vodafone One Net Business today. Tell me about the genesis of this. Where did you get the idea for the big tent? I suppose it came around, it was the Cork were doing the Year of Culture. 12 years ago and I knew some of the people in the board that they were trying to put together entertainment and I was talking to them and you know and, and I come up with a couple of acts and they thought that uh, you know one or two of them were okay but there was a couple that didn't want to be you know they didn't want them I think I think it might have been it was a country act that I wanted to bring in and then uh, there's something else they, they questioned and, and it was just I just thought you know it wasn't like they were questioning me they were just questioning did I think that particular act did work or did I think that this would fit with the program they had so after about a week or two of that, I decided then that maybe I should do it on my own. And that's where it came about. And how many gigs did you have in that, that first run at it? I think we had 12, you know, with 12 gigs. Because, I mean, nobody, you know, it's, it's hard, to, not that it's difficult, but it was sort of, because initially I was only going to do three or four gigs with the, the, the City of Culture. And then a couple of other artists asked me to do it. So then it ended up doing like 12 or 13 gigs. It was over a three-week period. Cork didn't have a venue like this, and yeah. it was a major drawback because we, we yeah. remember the big gigs yeah. in the park over yeah. the years that yeah. arc by the league. Yeah. There was no real venue. There was, when you think about it, looking back, the city was probably screaming out well, for something like this. Was, and, and, and I think a lot of other cities are crying out for a venue. Galway, I think a venue would work. I think a venue in Cork would work. But you think of the people who had the vision to build a Cork Opera House, how, hard, how far ahead they were, or when the original park in Keith was built how far they were ahead of the rest of Europe when they built that stadium. It was a magnificent stadium to build in, in the day they built it. And Cork Opera House was a great theatre to build that there. So there was no progression after that with the Cork Opera House. It would have been, or even Cork City Hall was a great venue. But there was no progression as the, the bands changed and production changed. Unfortunately, there was nobody who had the vision to do City Hall or the vision to do Cork available at that time to build something of that standard. What is it like to try and convince acts to come here? Because obviously all the guys who are listed on the poster yeah. here beside us, they're all uh, on the circuit, they, they're yeah. performing. Yeah. Like the, big, the biggest act probably this year 
is going to be either Brian Adams or uh, Elton John. Well, I, think, I think Elton John, you know, the fact that he's come, this is his fourth visit back. Does he really like it here? No, but I mean, he's playing arenas in, in, in America, big, huge, 20,000 arenas, and he's playing football stadiums in England at the moment. And then he comes here and he plays, this will be the smallest gig he's done this year. And, you know, it, it always is the smallest gig he does every year. I, th- I think, you know, the first year when we had Diana Ross, that was a big calling card to have her here. And I think, uh, you know, over the years, Bob Dylan, Roger Waters, Rod Stewart, you know, they've all, you know, they're all internationally, anywhere you go in the world, people know those names. And then the fact that, you know, when you look at it this year, how strong Irish acts are from picture the students selling 10,000 tickets, the Coronas, Walking on Cars, Gavin James, Nathan Carter, you know, Al Porter, Tommy Tiernan, you know, we hadn't got that strength of Irish acts 12 years ago. Is that unusual? I mean, you're, you're obviously in this game yeah. and your dad was in the game before yeah, you. Yeah. That, that, that we have that level of talent coming through well, that's appreciated. Well, I think it, it, it's always been, you know, like back in the 70s, you know, like we had Rory and we had, you know, Thin Lizzy. And there's always, that's the great thing about Ireland is that when you get the acts that are popular in the UK, because it's, it's our nearest neighbours and it's the sort of the, the home of music, you could say, you know, going back to the Beatles and the Stones, you could say that that Ireland has really, you know, punched way above its weight for the size of the country, the, the talent that we've produced over the years, you know. The business of gigs has changed a lot, yeah. though. And most artists now make their money yeah. from tours. The days yeah. of making money off album sales, yeah. they're all gone. Yeah. What impact has that had on on the way bands operate, on the way that promoters like yourself are? Well, well I think that, the, you know, the, the, I think good songs will always make money. You can look at the record sales for Adele, or you can look at the record sales for Ed Sheeran, and, you know, and you can look at, you know, the, the relaunch of, you know, the, the good music never goes away and, and they're, they're always going to make money at it. It's just, touring is much more sophisticated now than it was. And uh, bands like to tour in a certain type of style, and, but also that Europe used to be a, a num- just a few countries, but now it's a huge, you know, it's a, there's so many new territories have opened up, so many new arenas, so many new stadiums. And is that making it more difficult it is. to bring it is. acts from here? Well, I mean, anyway. But I mean, that, the, acts got, the acts have got a fixed price in their head, and, uh, you know, they're getting so much for playing a, a, an arena in Paris, you know, they're, they're going to want in and around that the same figure to play in Dublin. They're not coming to Dublin and saying, we'll give you a special discount. And is, is that hard? Because obviously, the expectation here is that people will play, people are happy to pay 100 quid, yeah. maybe at a push 120 yeah. Yeah. for the bigger gigs. Yeah. They're not going to pay more than that. Do some bands want more than no, that? No, I don't think there's, there's ever been an act that an act, an act wouldn't come because uh, based on ticket prices. I mean, ticket prices compared to other, it's always been, you know, relatively, I, I think the ticket prices are, are, are good value. I think that when people pay for cinema tickets and they could be watching a brand new movie, one of these so-called blockbusters that, so a lot of the times fail to deliver I think that the the cinema price, when you go to the cinema that night, that could be on 5,000 screens around the world, but when you go to the gig, it's, that's the only place you can see it that night. And and, and the, the, the artists, I, I've gone to the movies a lot, and I've gone to theatre and different musicals and that, and, and, but I do think the concert, whether it's a rock concert or it's a pop concert, I do think it delivers on the ticket price for the shows they put on. Where we're sitting right now, we're yeah. sandwiched between the tent that yeah. is the marquee yeah. and the brand new Parky Cueve, which yeah. is out the other side, Bast in Sunlight. Yeah. There's going to be gigs in there. They told us on Red Business yeah. already there's going to be two gigs next summer. Yeah. You're not going to tell me who they are, are you? Well, I might be involved in it. <laughs> <laughs> what is the draw of the park going to be, do you think? Well, well I think it, they've built a, a magnificent stadium. It's very, it looks like it's going to be very well finished. I think they've got, uh, they've got the population. I think they've got the history of some great gigs that have taken place. They're recently Bruce Springsteen. I think they've got uh, 
They've got a, the, the, the marquee's proved that there's an audience here. And I think that, uh, but, but it's just not as simple as, as slot. You know, you've got to remember that the venue is built primarily, for, it built, it's built solely for GA matches. Cork is a very successful county, one of the few counties in Ireland that's got two, you know, teams playing at the top level in hurling football. They've also got a very strong club scene here. So all that has to be accommodated and then concerts fitted around that. So you could get a date and say, this is the date that we can do Cork. And, you know, our season's the summer and the GA season's the summer. It's not as straightforward as just saying, a band's not going to change all its schedule to fit us in. You know, they're going to fit in Wembley Stadium. They're going to fill in Paris. They're going to fill in Berlin. And then we have to fit around that sometimes. We might end up with a midweek or we might end up with, you know, and a big band coming to Ireland. Are they capable of doing a big show in Dublin and a big show in, in Cork, you know? So we, we shouldn't get our hopes up that it'll no, be I, full I all the time, but we, know, we'll but get I a few. be optimistic and say that, you know, while there was a lot of gigs in Parker Cave over the years, and there is a lot of big gigs going to Dublin, but, you know, these stadiums, they're, they're, over the years, there's been a lot of available dates in both the big stadiums in Dublin that haven't been used, you know? The one thing that's changed in the last few weeks after yeah. Manchester yeah. is that security element yeah. of it. And I remember we were just talking about it today yeah. with somebody else that there's now armed Gardaí yeah. standing around. Is that after changing things completely? Well, I think, I think it's a, you know, you've got, you can never underestimate the, the public spirit, you know. And, I mean, having grown up in Belfast, I mean, I remember we did a concert with Rory Gallagher in Belfast in 1972, and the concert was at 11 o'clock in the day. You know, but that was normal to us. I mean... Yeah, it is. It is a big worry, but it's not just a worry for concerts. It's a worry for everywhere. You know, airport. It's a. It's you know, this is the the new reality that we face into is that security, armed police, more Garda, you know, more checks. It's a fact of life, and it's gonna. It's not gonna. You know, it's not gonna stop. It's gonna be there forever. I imagine. You know, people will get used to it. I don't know if people get used to it. You know, you've got to be careful as a concert promoter that or an event organizer that we have enough staff to deal with. We don't put people off with you know. You know, long queues and check, and I mean, it, people people nowadays. You know, when I heard them complain about Dublin Airport today. Like, there's a 20 minute queue. There's ructions about it. You know, so you've always got to be aware of it. You've got to be aware that it takes a big effort to go to a show. You know, you have to understand that. That you know, sometimes people, you know, they you know they, they make an effort. They don't want to stay at home. You know, everybody's got Netflix. They've got Sky Sports. They've got live rugby on, soccer, Gaelic. It's on every night. You switch on the television. I used to remember the FA Cup was a big thing because the All Ireland Final. It's the only thing on television. But now, you know, it's, it's just, if you want to do something, the new generation, if you want to do something, you can do it instantly. And that's, and that's not just for kids, that's for all of us. Everything's instant now. So the concert is a different experience, and it's a big effort to go to a concert. So you've got to make sure that you have enough, if we're going to search people, if they're going to do this, if, we're, if this is going to happen, that we have enough people to do it, and we have enough people to alienate people's fears you know this has yeah. been the family business yeah. your dad yeah. Jim was yeah. uh, was an expert yeah. and yeah. one of the leaders as well yeah. what do you think he'd make of the scene as it is now I mean is, is it very is it very different or is it the, the just slightly bigger more no, lights I think, I think no I, I think he would I mean you know I mean he, he was promoting he, he left teaching to promote in the late 60s and um, I think 1965 he became a you know became a fully fledged promoter he, he and then the trouble started, so that was some shock to him, you know. He, was, he couldn't go back to teaching. And uh, so, yeah, I think he'd, you know, he'd love it the way it's progressed and the, the fact that he was one of the pioneers in Europe of it. And, 
you know, he still, you know, he still talked about it a lot, and he's, he's still seen as one of the good guys, you know. Mm. Which is an industry where I suppose some of them aren't seen as good guys. It's a good oh, legacy yeah. to leave. I mean, most most of the people that I've come into contact with are pretty. They are really pretty decent guys, you know. It's just that, and the artists are the most remarkable of all. The local community around here. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're a promoter. You yeah. bring a venue. Yeah. You bring the artists. But the spin-off is yeah. huge. I yeah. mean, it it. But baffles the mind as to how much money is brought into this local economy, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's hard to understand. I mean, uh, when when we did the big gig up in Thomond Park, and we, I think we twenty four thousand at Elton John, and you know they got one of the big accountancy firms to do it, and they come back, you know, whatever they were looking for, the reason they wanted this, but they come back and they had judged that twenty four thousand people at a big outdoor concert in Thomond Park was in or around ten million it was worth. But all these things, the football, the sporting events, but I think the per head spend. I think I've heard this, and I can't be 100% sure, but I think the per head spent at a concert compared to a big sporting event is twice at a concert. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the plan is to keep this going. There's no plan to stop the marquee. Well, it will be next year. Yeah, hopefully it'll be next year. But I mean, you can see the way cities expand all over the world, and eventually it's going to expand down here. Mm. It's a beautiful part of the, you know, beautiful part of Cork all around here. And, you know, someday there's going to be houses here and apartments, and there won't be any room to do it, you know? Because this used to be where we're sitting right now, the lot where they stored all the Ford Cartinas yeah. and the Fiestas yeah. as they were getting to really uh, to send them out. I down here one time bought a car out of here years ago. Did you? He didn't know me out for it. You were very familiar with the site then. No, so, was, uh, the other last question I have to ask you, what happens to this tent uh, when you're finished here? Does it I, go on it, to another gig? It was on another gig, yeah. Yes. They're all over the world, these fellas putting these tents up. It's so the same firm do them for all big festivals, they do them in America, everywhere. These guys specialise in these type of music events. Do you enjoy it, Peter? Oh, I mean, yeah. like everybody, if we go to a concert, right, yeah. it's, I mean, it's a night out. Yeah. You know, we go, we have a couple of drinks. Yeah. You never get to enjoy a gig that way. So well, no, I go to gigs. I go to other people. I go to other gigs as well. I go to gigs. I mean, the kids would even say to me that every time they went, we went to America, it was a busman's holiday. I mean, that's what I enjoy going to. But yeah, I mean, you enjoy the you, the first and foremost. You want the artist to enjoy it. Second, secondly, you want the the, the the you want to see the fans really enjoy it and the appreciation that they can have for it. And then thirdly, probably the most enjoyable part is driving away from it when it's all gone well. That isn't yeah. that is a very enjoyable feeling. Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Never miss an opportunity when you simplify the game. Search Vodafone One Net Business today. The marquee has become such a big part of the summer in Cork and it, of course, is really, really a success again this year. And my thanks to Peter Aiken for talking to us. But there's a lot else on as well. So let's talk about the other festivals that are happening around Cork this summer and, more importantly, the business end of them. And to that end, we speak with Lorraine May, who is the organiser for the Cork Midsummer Festival. Hello, Lorraine. Hello. Uh, we also have uh, Ernest Cantonen, who is a businessman and organiser of, uh, amongst other things, the Cork Dessert Festival. Hey, hello. Uh, you didn't bring any desserts, I know. No, apologies. All sold out. <laughs> All sold out. Uh, we'll talk more about that and where we can get our hands on them next week. And also, uh, we have got with us um, Siobhan McCarthy, who is with the Cork Craft and Design Festival. Siobhan, hello. Hello. I am intrigued, and we're going to come back to each of the festivals in turn. But I want to go Midsummer Festival is, mm-hmm. in, is in full We're flow. right in the middle of it. We are Midsummer's Day. The and longest day of the year. Tell us about 
the genesis of it? I mean, it's been going for years, but like, you know, what's the rationale behind it? How do you sure, make it viable? Sure, really? sure. Um, well, the festival started in '96, actually, um, and it was um, an initiative of Cork City Council and loads of the arts organisations in the city who decided they wanted to organise a summer festival to really showcase and platform everything that's happening in Cork, because there really is so much happening here. You know, it's it's uh, got a, such a rich cultural life. Um, and it's evolved since then, but it's kept that partnership model. So we work in partnership with 50 programming partners in the city, and that's just the programmers. Um, and we create every year uh, a 10-day festival. It's one of the largest arts festivals now in Ireland and certainly Cork's biggest celebration of culture. Um, and we specialise in premiering kind of new work in locations as diverse as theatres and galleries to churches, streets, you know, Spike Island, Kirkadirka out there at the moment doing a show out there as well. Uh, we do shows for all ages. We do participative work. We do new work. We platform Cork artists. Um, and we always try and bring to life some of that magic of midsummer as well. So how do you pay for all of this? Because, you know, you're you're not in it to make a huge amount of profit, I'm guessing. Sure, um, no. So how do you go about making sure that everybody who commits time or who puts on a show gets the right money for that work. Yeah. Um, well, the festival is relying, first of all, on our funders. So we get core funding from the Arts Council, Cork City Council and Fulcher Ireland. Um, and then we're really reliant on our brilliant sponsors. You know, we have lots of business partners in the city. Um, you know, Heineken Light are our beer partners. We have we work with all the hotels in the city. Um, in, in terms of some of our events, we might kind of build them up with um, sponsorship so we start with a certain level of funding uh, and this year actually opening today we have a giant um, moon installation going in in CIT uh, I'm, and I'm, I'm intrigued <laughs> what, what is a moon installation <laughs> yeah. and how does one build it? So it's basically a giant inflatable sculpture it's seven uh, metres in diameter so it's enormous um, and it came from Bristol this uh, fantastic international artist called Luke Jerram uh, and we're actually partnering with CIT they have the International Space University uh, opening this week weekend um, and as part of that uh, there seemed to be a really natural fit between arts and culture and that overlap between science and arts as well um, and, and between us we're kind of bringing this to Cork with our partners O'Flynn Exams and, and JCD Group and that's where you need all these people to make something come to that's life. That's where the you money know? comes from. Okay, yeah. Let's talk about the Craft of Design Festival. Siobhan, tell us a little bit about how that came about. Great, so Cork Craft Month uh, started in 2009. This is going to be our eighth uh, Cork Craft Month kicking off in August. It's basically... Cork Craft and Design is a membership organisation of professional craftspeople all over Cork City and County. So it's a way of them promoting their work, uh, meeting their customers, opening up their studios and just uh, exhibiting what they do. So, again, it's important to them because this is the core products that they're trying to sell. So if they've nowhere to show it. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, because we are dealing with lots of small creative enterprises, we get our funding through uh, the local enterprise offices, Cork City Council and Ireland Design and Crafts Council. And how much product is shifted during an event like this? Because that's probably the main reason why people get involved. Yes, it's great to showcase it, but you know, at the end of the day, they have to pay the bills. Yeah. Last year in 2016, the craftspeople themselves sold approximately €36,000 worth of craft in the month of August. So for small local enterprises, that's a huge, huge boost to their income. And then beyond that, people may commission something, they may discover a designer or a craftsperson and go back and visit them at another time of the year. So really it keeps those small enterprises ticking over. Okay, so again, big big for them and, and, and a great 
great, uh, exactly. I suppose, a great initiative. Ernest Cantlin, uh, you own a host of pubs around town. You do lots of different festivals as well. We, you, Oktoberfest, the Burger Festival, all that kind of stuff. Does it make a lot of money? Um, I, I suppose we've come at it from a, a different model. Originally, we would have done big uh, outdoor festivals like um, uh, Cork Food Fest, which was in uh, Taste Fest, which was in the Fitzgerald's Park. We did it for a couple of years. And I was involved in starting off Oktoberfest. Um, and I suppose the the downside of those is that people go from the bars and restaurants in out to those. So effectively, it's almost competing as opposed to collaborating. You're, you're taking people out of your own pubs. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I, I, but citywide. So, um, I decided, but that's not a great idea. Yes. Not, I, I not the best as a business yeah. podcast. Yeah. 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 So, so I figured that out. Um, so uh, the, the downside is that sometimes uh, festivals aren't necessarily sustainable, and you can only get so many sponsors, so many festivals. So what we did is we would start them off on a small scale. Uh, myself and my business partner we have a thing called Festival Cork we sponsored ourselves and in the hope that if a festival we give it one or two years and then if it grows it might be self-sustainable so as you name some of them um, we started off uh, with Cork Whiskey Festival so we've had two of them uh, and it still doesn't make any money but it nearly washed its face this year because last year we dealt with all the local guys like Hyde Whiskey and West Cork Distillers and then suddenly Jemison said she's what's going on in town and uh, uh, Diageo had a new um, Whiskey Ronco and they came and launched it at it so suddenly the big guys kind of got interested um, we did the Cork Burger Festival which Bally Malou um, took a punt on, you know, out of nowhere, Bally Relish, um, Maxine and the guys uh, backed us from the start. So it's very tricky, I'm sure, as you guys here know, to, for the very first year to get a sponsor. Usually mm-hmm. sponsors need to see something proven. Um, but I suppose because we had a good track record from other festivals, they rode in behind it. Um, so the dessert, the dessert festival... Yes, let's come yeah. to the dessert of which you brought no desserts to the studio. Yeah. Apologies, yeah, apologies. Yeah, yeah. So what's on, oh, that's next week. That's next week. So the idea for that is that I'd say we'll have between 40 and 50 venues throughout the city and county taking part. And uh, you can have very big hotels or very small um, uh, cafes taking part. And the idea is that it, it's up to you to make the most. We'll facilitate you in um, through uh, Taste Cork lining up with a producer. So you may want to feature fresh fruit from somebody. So, for example, Bumblebee Farms is a farm down um, in Drimalik that uh, grow edible flowers, uh, which make uh, things like desserts and cocktails really pop and so special. So if you're looking to do something special, we'll produce you. And they might come and give a talk in the restaurant or in the cafe. And they'll say, you know, the flower you're eating now with this chocolate mousse is this and this way it tastes this so I, I suppose it's embracing Cork is really well known for its its providence and its produce but not necessarily what we do with it yeah. and it's taking it from um, the genesis from its uh, you know it growing it and nurturing it through to the consumer ultimately Now here we have different organisations we've got design we've got the arts we've got food and beverage you're all competing for the same thing you're all trying to get people to do the same time give the same time to each other is that a problem though I mean when you're trying to build an event or you're trying to get people to come through your doors do you do you find that you're all in competition with each other let's uh, let's go to Lorraine first um, I don't think so. Uh, I think if you look at every great city, you know, they have things happening year round and there's so many diverse things that happen, you know, like it, like I'm always amazed by the niches, you know, that people find in terms of new events. So I think they're completely complementary. I think they say a lot about this, the city. They say a lot about the businesses, about the arts, about everything that we do here. And I think it's really important that there's loads of things happening. And Siobhan, I mean, from a marketing point of view, how do you get your message out there? Years ago, it probably would have been word of mouth. Is it a little easier now? 
It is a little bit easier. Social media obviously has made it a bit easier. and uh, But I don't discount word of mouth. I think it's a huge thing. Repeat visitors who come back who realise that Cork Craft Month is happening in August. You know, we have them come back year on year looking for the programmes as soon as they come out. I think it's... Um, I think Cork has a lot of authentic festivals. You know, there's real events happening for the people of Cork. Uh, I just think uh, we're really lucky to live here, actually. Yeah, well, no one's going to disagree with that who lives in Cork, I'm sure. But Ernest... Uh, on that point, is it easy? Because you've got all these different festivals that you've been involved in over the years. Is it getting easier to get people's attention and to get those sponsorships? Uh, certainly the first year is tough. And But if, you, if, you, um, if you're successful the first year, people kind of come to you. But where we found it successful is um, instead of trying to bring everyone, say, to Fitzgerald's Park for a food festival, for Taste Cork Week, we'll probably have over 100 venues now involved. And, and like with the Midsummer's Festival mm-hmm. and probably with the Craft Fair to a certain extent, that um, so uh, instead of having one Facebook page or one billboard campaign suddenly we have 50 restaurants and cafes and bars all pushing it out through their staff through the word of mouth and, and we find that makes a massive difference you know it's kind of got that ripple effect so yeah. people are talking about it and what happens if as always happens in this country is rains do, yes. you, do you lose the will then because it's not going to be a successful well, well um, certainly for me uh, running big outdoor festivals is very risky w- w- with the rain um, and obviously maybe you talk to Peter Aiken about that about there's a reason he does it in a tent yes. you know marquee it hedges the bets and, and, admittedly a tent with a few holes yes we, we yeah, don't, we like the best the of both worlds yeah, maybe the water the features yeah <laughs> but um, uh, for um, for us uh, it's in the venues and the, another big factor that people don't uh, maybe realise is that when you go and do something in one of these uh, parks it's spectacular for the consumer but it's usually expensive for the organiser he's got a staff his restaurant he's got a Insurance. rent a tent he's got insured he's got him in two places at once whereas we're bringing and sorry the other thing is that you go to the festival in the park or in the beer tent you have an amazing experience but you, you associate it with the festival rather than translating it back to that produce of that place so for us we introduce you to a new restaurant or a new cafe or a new bar or hotel and then you go back there another time because exactly. you like it. You get returning business yeah, which exactly. is why everybody's in there. Let's give the proper plug to each of the websites. Siobhan, give us the website for the Cork Craft and Design Festival. It's corkcraftanddesign.com corkcraftanddesign.com At the dessert festival is there a website? Yes, yeah, so we, we run everything under the banner Festival Cork. We have festivalcork.com but Facebook and Twitter are probably the most active channels for us. And Lorraine, I'm going to go back to you because you forgot the most important thing about the Big Moon and CIT, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah Tell did. us the most important thing about the Big Moon um, and CIT. So one of the most amazing things about the Moon and CIT is that Buzz Aldrin is going to be giving a public talk in front of it um, and Buzz Aldrin as uh, as everyone knows was the second man on the moon um, and uh, this is just the most he's a rock star you know of, of every genre and having him in Cork is such a huge coup and he's going to be there in the, on the 27th Tuesday the 27th of June Tuesday 27th of June Buzz Aldrin and you have to get tickets? Yes you have to get you tickets, to get tickets uh, yeah, So how yeah. do people find out? Um, they can go onto our website corkmidsummer.com Okay we've given you all enough plugs now at this stage and that's about time for the dessert festival maybe yeah. Buzz Aldrin can get some free desserts <laughs> Excellent Look, and, bring all together and take some yeah. crafts home as well uh, It's been a pleasure Ernest Cantlin uh, of Cantlin's and of course of uh, the various different uh, festivals that I mentioned there uh, Lorraine May from the Cork Midsummer Festival and uh, Siobhan McCarthy from the Cork Craft and Design Festival Thank you all for joining us in Red Business Thank, Thank you. you very much Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Want to simplify how you work? Combine all your lines of communication with Vodafone One Net Business. My thanks to all of my guests for taking the time to talk to us and good luck with all those festivals. Here's hoping the weather stays good. If you want more from Red Business, you can visit the website redfm.ie and you can subscribe on iTunes. A bit more Elton John to finish up. We'll catch you on the next one. Blue jean, baby. L.A. lady Seamstress for the band 
dancing in the sand Now she's in me Always with me Tiny dancing in my hand Jesus free Play.